Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today I have a very special guest, Angela Daffron, who is the founder of Jody's Voice, which is an organization that creates awareness and helps create change about stalker issues and laws. Welcome to the show, Angela. It's great to have you here, and I'm very interested in learning more about the organization and how it all evolved into doing what you're doing. But before we talk about that, can you share with our listeners some of your story, perhaps your background and interest and things that have really kind of evolved together to create your passion and desire to do what you do today? Sure. I am a marketer by trade. That's my real job. And then I grew up next door to Jody Sanderholm, who the foundation is named after. They were the family next door to us, and, you know, just like it, it's been a part of our family. And so in June, or I'm sorry, in January of 2007, when she was murdered, and it became clear that it was the case of stalking, and she hadn't been a week in stock for 10 years, that this man that is now been convicted of killing her had been stalking almost 20 other women. You know, it, it just became clear to me that this was such a preventable crime that had happened to her that I needed to act out and do something to -hmm. change it and make sure that it didn't happen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what was it within you though that made you have the ability to take a chance like that because sometimes there's things even as far back as our childhood that you know really instill in us some sort of courage, faith, hope that says once in a while we've got to really put ourselves out there and take a chance on something that we really believe in. Can you go back to anything that you think instilled that in you? Um, you know, I don't know that there was any one thing, really. It's just a understanding of how preventable this and that it had over losing Jody in such a horrible way. I just had to do something to make it better, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've lost people in other ways, too, and it's, it's always horrible. But to know that somebody actually focused that anger and and that many horrible things on somebody you care about is by far the worst way mm-hmm. that I've ever lost anybody. Mm-hmm. It was an accident. It wasn't a disease. And I just had to do something to, to feel better and to make sure that her death wasn't just because this person decided that that was going to be his afternoon plans for that day. Right. Her right. death had to, had to have a, a purpose. And what she went through had to have a purpose and help other people. Mm-hmm. since it couldn't help her. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. So I don't know that it's really, I don't know that there's any one thing that back in my childhood or anything. It's just, it's just caring for people, I guess, and, and wanting to help. Mm-hmm. Wanting to make a difference. That's right. So you had this situation happen, a tragedy, a loss, and I know that there's a lot of listeners that listen into your Story Matters radio show who have endured different types of loss. Can you speak to the audience about the difference? Because you just mentioned, you know, some people die from disease, uh, from an accident, things like that. How do you feel the difference impacted you knowing that her life was cut short at a young age? It was very unfair, obviously. And the circumstances around it, as I understand, was that she wasn't getting the help that she needed. What does that do to you, a person who suffered that sort of grief? You know, especially when they're at a young age, whether it's an accident or disease, but to know that, that another person caused it intentionally mm-hmm. is a completely different different thing to know that somebody that you cared about was, was victimized like that. 
Mm-hmm. She, to our best knowledge, did not know she was being stalked. Mm-hmm. It was a small town that she was killed in. And I think sometimes in smaller towns, people get complacent with dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, in a smaller town like that, people say, oh, that's so-and-so's son. He's a little strange, but it's okay. Right. You know, we're in a bigger city. If you were in LA or Houston or New York, people take their gut instinct and act on it and say, there's a problem here and I'm going to get help. Mm-hmm. They knew that he'd been hanging around the dance team, but nobody had really reported that. The police had had reports of him stopping other women, but the way the laws were written at the time, time had to be a credible threat to make an arrest for stalking, and that was just too open in the eyes of the law. They weren't making arrests on stalking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how long was it before or after her death, I'm sorry, that you decided to establish Jody's voice and what were some of the feelings you had about what does this look like? Where do I start from? Because again, we have listeners who have called into the show or messaged us and they have this idea or this passion or something they want to do to create change, but they just don't know where to start. So what were your ideas and thoughts in the beginning and how did you go about this? Well, Jody, Jody went missing on a Friday afternoon, and by that evening, they had the guy in custody, but they hadn't found Jody for another four days. And so by the time they found Jody, they were gathering all the information about what had happened that day. They had started having other women come forward saying he'd been stalking them, too, and, and hitting the media like that. And so it was pretty much immediately that, you know, I think it was just within a few days after them actually finding her body that... I said, this can't happen again, and we have to change this because my first question was, why wasn't he already in jail? Mm-hmm. He's been stalking these other women. They, they knew he was a problem. Why wasn't he already in jail or at least awaiting a court date for those charges or something right. like that? Uh-huh. And as soon as I found out that the laws were written too broad, I immediately started with that. It, it was a situation in Kansas that doesn't happen very often at all. It's a situation for anywhere in the country, but, you know, in the heartland, Bible Belt, these things don't normally happen. Mm-hmm. And so, especially with a tiny little town. So it was gaining a lot of media attention because she went missing in the middle of the day, too. So I used that media attention to transform it from the tragedy of what had happened into what we can make of this tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's not just the legislators that want this change. It's the public demanding that the legislators make change. I can understand that. And I think you're right to use your skills to be able to deal with the media and be able to deal with public and, and everyone who was involved to try and bring some awareness and understanding, hey, this isn't okay. We need to do something. And what can we do collectively to create the change? So your idea was to start an organization that would really change legislation regarding the laws of stock. Well, I initially just started changing the laws and we got the law passed. And I really didn't ever plan on, at that point, starting an organization, a formal organization. I planned on just working independently. In 2009, just after we got the laws changed in New Mexico, I became a stalking victim. And so at that point, the law enforcement there was not not handling it in an appropriate way. The, a female stalker, and they did not take it as, as seriously since it was a female stalking a female, mm-hmm. I think. And we ended up relocating out of New Mexico at that point. We, we left our jobs. We left everything just to make sure our family was, was safe at that point because... Mm-hmm. It had gotten so drastic with the stalking that threats were being made on my life, threats were being made on my daughter's life. My daughter to stay with my dad in Kansas for a month, try to get it under control, and it just wasn't getting back under control. So we just, at that point, decided we're going to relocate. So we left everything and started new in a new state. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it was a really good move in the end. But at that point, it became clear to me that if the laws were there, the laws were in place in New Mexico, and they still didn't protect me. Right. It's this whole understanding from the public's awareness of how serious this really is. Mm-hmm. I have people, when I was through that, literally my life was being threatened. My, at the time, 13-year-old daughter's life was being threatened, and people were saying, I actually had a couple people say, your stalker's a girl that's so hot. Mm. And it's like, she's threatening to kill me. This is not, there's nothing at all hot about this. Right, right. And so it it crystallized for me at that point that even if the laws are there, if the general public, their friends and family don't understand how serious it is, if the law enforcement themselves don't understand how dangerous and serious Mm -hmm. this can get, the laws won't be enforced anyways. That's so right. they decided to launch Jody's as a 501c3 charity and focus more on the general awareness for general public and just the general understanding of the crime because it really is the only crime that somehow in our society we find it acceptable for TV to go on and have a regularly recurring uh, role for a stalker mm-hmm. and people laugh about it. I mean, I'm seeing large, large corporate organizations use the term come stalk us on Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it is a crime. It's not, you know, something to joke about. You don't see people saying, go rape your girlfriend or go beat your wife. Those right. are crimes too. Right, exactly. You know, but somehow we've said it's subtle and, and we have to change that understanding first to really get these people the help that they need because statistically in the U.S. there's more than 3.4 million victims reported each year. Of stalking. I think statistics as high as 80% of the cases go unreported. So mm-hmm. that really starts to drive home just how many people are being affected by this. And it's different levels of. I have to agree with some of what you've said already that I think that in general, the public seems to think that these things are just not that serious. They're sort of funny, they're cute, uh, especially when it's, as you said, a female, female, um, a, a younger person, maybe a teenager. And really, it's all very serious, and I think that we haven't taken it seriously. We haven't acknowledged when people say, I need help, something doesn't feel right, I don't feel safe. And that's really a shame, because I think we all deserve to feel safe and comfortable in our own space. Exactly, exactly. And technology has taken it to such a point, you know, you, you hear about it all the time with, with kids and cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. And there's really not a whole, but a whole lot of difference between cyberbullying and cyber stalking. Right, right. It's just based on age, really, and how determined. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you are seeing people start to take that more seriously, too, which is good because it needs to be. But we also need to call it the crime that it already is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just because it's happening to a 12 year old, and by the kids at school doesn't mean it's not stalking. It's still stalking. Exactly. Well, and I agree. I think that technology has made it a lot easier to find people, to stalk people. I mean, think about how many people that I've heard of have had multiple texts from someone they don't know or they hardly know or they don't want to know anymore. And all of that is considered stalking. But of course, if you go into the police station and say, look, this person's literally texted me 200 times they won't do a thing because nothing's really happening. Right. And the understanding there, too, you know, that it does escalate. That if somebody is that obsessed where they're texting 200 times, they're that obsessed that it's going to escalate when they don't get the response they want. Exactly. And, you know, 
Unfortunately, it's just keeping logs of every contact because with technology, it's gone to the point that, you know, the GPS and GPS devices being placed on cars or, or in my case, my cell phone had been hacked. Mm-hmm. And so every text message, every email, every phone call, every voicemail, even to the point that the phone could be activated in the room if mm-hmm. it was turned on mm-hmm. and hear the conversation in the room through the speakerphone, that, that was happening in my case. And it took us months to figure out right. how in the world this information was getting out. And it was finally we found it on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you talk about a, a real invasion of privacy right. and a real upper hand that that stalker has at that point. You know, they know where you're going to be. They know how much money you've made. They know if you're arguing with your spouse. Mm-hmm. They, they know everything. Mm-hmm. Which puts you in a very yeah. vulnerable situation, of course. Yeah. What are the things that you would say to help bring awareness to others are some signs? Because like we just said, a lot of things happen and, and sometimes we don't think twice about it. Certainly, I don't think parents are uh, cl- clued in enough to what's happening with some of this stuff with their kids. But what are some things that you would say, look, these are, you know, leading into something that could be very dangerous. These are stalking behaviors. The biggest thing I hear from, from victims about is they didn't go with their gut soon enough. Mm-hmm. They, they knew in their heart of hearts that there was a problem here. Mm-hmm. But they said, well, I used to date them or I know them from work or, or whatever. Right. And it's, it's not a problem. And they have to go with their gut. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, with anything, that's that's what can really tell you. Be aware of your surroundings, you know, know who's around you. It is one of the worst parts about stalking to admit to your employees that you have a problem with this, but they can help you gain that that information and, and be those witnesses too and help get the case prosecuted down the line too. If, they, if the neighbors are seeing somebody drive by the house or your employer at work can go in and testify that things were happening at work too and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So... You know, it's it's knowing and being aware of those things. You know, it's, it's, as far as it's, it's really just go with your gut. You know if there's a problem. Be aware of what you're posting on social media. You know, as adults, we, we tell our, our kids, you know, make sure you're not posting things that say where you are or what you're doing and, and not posting too much publicly. And then as adults, we throw all that out the window and we start checking in on social media sites and telling everybody in the world where we're at. And you mm-hmm. say, well, I don't have a stalker, you know, my stalker had been stalking me for at least a year before we knew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Jody's stalker had been stalking her for 10 years. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so you you don't know. And I don't want to make everybody so paranoid, but I'm just saying you don't know who's listening and who has that, that bad intention in mind. And right. so, you know, you see people right now, the biggest thing I see that's a huge, huge problem is people checking in at home on, you know, Foursquare or Facebook. Mm-hmm. And that information, it, you know, people are friending people that they don't really know on these social media sites, too. It could be hacked. There's there's a whole lot of different options here, but never check in at home. There's nothing good can come of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Nothing at all. There's no benefit there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to use the check-in services, check in as you're leaving. Keep keep in mind not to post things on Twitter about where where you're at when it's open to public. You know, just use those use those social media rules that we set for our kids for yourself too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to agree with you. I think that people are so interested in being connected to the world, if you will, that they're willing to share almost anything, and they are being naive in the sense that out of your fifteen hundred friends or whatever, most of who you don't really know. Um, 
any of them can have some negative feelings towards you or some feelings towards you that are not healthy and normal. And that can escalate at any time into something that is very dangerous and not something you want to invite into your life. And so I think it's important for people to really be aware of that. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I was very surprised that you said Jody Stalker had been stalking her for 10 years. So for 10 years, she didn't know that this person was stalking her? It's a small town, and he lived just a few blocks away. She was nine years old when all this started. But court records and court testimony indicate that his friends had said that he'd been looking in her window since she was nine years old. Wow. And I think that, you know, again, I think people get complacent in a small town. Obviously, nobody ever saw him looking in the windows or there would have been something done about that at that point. But honestly, it probably would have been in the town that size. It probably would have been calling his parents and saying, hey, he's doing this. Get him under control. In smaller towns, the resources aren't always there to get people to exact help. And also people say, so if this kid, you know, he'll he'll grow out of it. Right. You know, they kind of have this idea of it'll it'll get better and Mm-hmm. instead of getting the help. But, you know, mm-hmm. had he got help at that point, who knows what would have happened or had his friends come forward and said, you know what, he, he's peeping in these windows and this isn't right. Right, you know, right. And that goes back to... Because that's, uh, that's another misconception, though, is Jody never dated him. She never mm-hmm. had any sort of relationship with him. They knew of each other, I think, but they weren't friends that she'd never dated. And that's one of the questions I get a lot is how long did she date him? It doesn't always have to be a dating relationship. I think that's something that people want to assign to situations like this so mm-hmm. that they can say, well, it won't happen to me because I don't date that type of guy. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And, of course, we all know that that type of person, whether it's a female or a male, can turn into somebody we never expected them to be and we never experienced them as that person, as being you know, violent or angry, etc. So, again, it's going back to being aware, checking your gut feeling about people and situations all the time, really. And I want to go back a little bit. So you talked about having a gut feeling, but what are some of the signs that someone might think, you know what, maybe this is just a bit too much as far as calls, someone popping over to visit, um, social media stuff. What would you say to someone that, you know, they hear from this person a few times, they've had a few texts, whatever. Where is that line where you might start to think this is getting to be too much? When it gets obsessive, you know, I mean, I don't text my husband 20 times a day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. so while some younger people might, you know, they're, you know, when it gets to the obsessive point, though, that everywhere you turn, there, this person is there. Every time you turn around, this person knows what you've done and where you've been. You know, any time that that gets obsessive, I, you know, I remember classes when we were in high school and, and they talk about the dating and trying to do the domestic violence awareness, you know, and they'd say, you know, that nobody should have that much control over you. Stalking mm-hmm. isn't as much about control over you as it is trying to get control over you. But it's kind of the same idea of when it becomes such an invasion on your life where you're constantly answering the phone, where you're constantly getting text messages, where every time you turn around, they're driving by your house or they're showing up where you're at. There could be a problem there, mm-hmm. and it's time to start looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I it's really easy when you're the victim, and even for me, as this all started up for me and we became aware of the stalking situation, it was real hard for me, as I'm sitting here talking to stalking victims every day, to say this is a stalking case. Right, right. You know, is you want to try to try to downplay it too, 
you know, it's the way we cope is to try to downplay it. Mm-hmm. But, but reali- making that realization is your first step to, to getting the help and getting that understanding of right. what's going on and making yourself safe. Well, and I think, as you mentioned earlier, that's the fine line. We don't want to have mass hysteria and have everyone thinking that someone's stalking them because they might text them too much or get on their Facebook too much. But on the other hand, we want to open our eyes and be aware that these things are happening. There are people who have mental health issues who are going overboard, who don't have boundaries, who are even, you know, in that mode of wanting to control and be violent and things like that. So it's a very fine line, and that's why I wanted you to share what your experience was and your knowledge so far in dealing with all the people that you have because it's something that obviously has to change, and the only way to make that happen is like what you're doing, creating an organization to bring about awareness talking to people, um, putting information out there, because I think the information is still very lacking when it comes to stalking. I think really it's been limited by the media to those superstars, if you will, who have been stalked, and that's about it. We're not talking about the real day-to-day lives of people who are just ordinary folks, you know, having stalkers in their lives. What would you say then to parents? Because I know this is a big issue. Again, another fine line, and I have children myself, and you know, older, two are older, and one's a preteen. But you know, we don't want to snoop all the time, and we don't want them to think we don't trust them. But I'm always concerned that you know there are people out there who are not really right for them, shouldn't be in their lives. What would you say to parents and how do you think the best way is to go about gauging what's happening with your kids? Uh, it's communication. You know, just like with drug awareness, just like with, with the sex ed, it's, it's communication. You have to have an open line of communication with your children and make sure that they're willing to come to you. My daughter is on social media, but I have the passwords mm-hmm. while I honestly have never gone in and looked at anything. She's well aware that I have the passwords. You know, I, I know I've got some blares and comments from people sometimes for saying that, but she's not 18. She's underage. Mm-hmm. It is a great place for them to be on Facebook and to stay connected. You know, that's why she stayed connected to Frenchiette in Kansas, to Frenchiette in New Mexico. Normally, she'd lose touch with it. It's a great connection device, but you have to respect the dangers that can also come with it. And teaching our children that respect, you know, like I said, we teach them now how to how to make updates and, and not give away too much and mm-hmm. not share too much information, but we don't follow it. It's that open communication, you know, making sure that they understand when things can be a problem to recognize those signs of a problem as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like we teach them for if their friends get involved in drugs, what to do, we need to teach them for if they're getting bullied or stalked or, or whatever, or their friends are. Mm-hmm. We need to teach them to come to us as well. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, and I love to hear you say that because I think it's critical that parents start talking more and worrying less without knowing what's really going on and just talk to your kids, get involved in their lives, you know, and let them know the truth about what happens out there without scaring them, but telling them the, the facts and helping them to give them tools and skills to understand what things, you know, could go wrong and what some of the signs are because of, like you said, as they grow into adulthood, that will help them, too, to be able to deal with conflict and relationships. And so it's very, very helpful, all that you shared, and I really appreciate that. I want to ask you, what do you think, and you've been through so much with the loss of Jody, and then going through your own stalker issue, 
what do you think social media has as far as responsibility in this situation? I mean, we're talking about Facebook or Twitter. Again, I think social media is a great medium for both businesses and for personal use. But I do think that they all have the responsibility to communicate our privacy settings and how to work those privacy settings well to us. Mm-hmm. I think that some of them, some mediums have done a very good job. Others have really left it in a cryptic way that you really have to go searching to make sure that your accounts are locked down to only people that you want to see them. Right. I think they have that responsibility to teach us how to use their format safely, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And I think they have the responsibility then, too, to be more open than many of them have been in the past to the police investigations. Right. And it needs to be a little bit more streamlined. They need to be more willing to work with through the cases on these. But they, don't, they don't want the publicity of, you know, the stalking situation was happening on this social media platform. They don't want that publicity. And they need to open up with the detectives, though, when they do have a case that happens. It can happen anywhere. It can happen based on a phone, phones or email or anywhere, just because it happens to be on the social media platform, they need to open up and and make those records accessible to the detectives so that we can get these cases prosecuted more quickly before what happens to Jody happens to somebody else. Exactly. I agree with you there. I do want to ask you, too, because I've heard other people say this, and we've had some discussion about it in my circle of professional connections, that perhaps some of the social media sites should even go as far as having a warning. I mean, it it took years, but now we actually have a warning on cigarette packages and on cigarette advertisements about the dangers. What are your thoughts about a warning on social media sites to let people know that there's privacy issues as far as leaks, there's potential for stalking, there's potential for dangerous situations based on them being connected via social media? I think it would be great. I think it would be great that only if you click through to and get past it. I I think that the biggest way that they can help is campaigns within themselves. You know, imagine if Facebook actually did a campaign to step up and say, this is how you use our product safely. Right. Everybody wants to use it anyways. Exactly. I mean, they want to connect with their friends and everything. But imagine the power behind them actually doing a campaign saying, this is how you use it safely. This is how you adjust your privacy settings so that only the people you want to really see things can see them. This exactly. is a streamlined version of it. You know, there's several places within Facebook, particularly, that you have to go right now to really lock down those settings to make sure that you're not sharing this or sharing that or nobody else is checking you in at the places you are just because they're your friend and they check in everywhere but they're not checking you in as well. You know, things like that. But if they just did an awareness campaign, they have the platform, they have the users there. Mm-hmm. If they just did the ads on the side themselves or, or did something that splashes up with video when you log in, something, that would be a huge and powerful campaign to really raising awareness. I agree with you, and I think that at the same hand, it would help those people who are the stalkers and the people who aren't friendly and doing and thinking the right thing to realize that it's not just an open platform for them to go find victims, if that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think as far as, and I don't know if you know the statistics or if there are statistics yet on this, as far as stalking goes has there been a percentage of that stalking coming from social media and the internet versus, you know, real live people work together or live next door to each other 
Do you know the difference or the numbers in that? I know that there have been increases overall, and I think that that comes through the number of connections we can have in a day now compared to before social media and before the Internet. Mm-hmm. You know, people are connecting with people that they ever would have came across in real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that opens opens you up somewhat, too. It opens you up to great relationships and also the bad ones, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That totally makes sense. So before we close, is there any one thing that you'd like to share with the listeners about Jody's voice and the real key message that you're trying to get across to others? And how would they find you and find out about you and Jody's voice? Well, our website is jodysvoice.org. We just had our first event and we're in the process of planning our next event and campaigns associated with that. The biggest misconception about stalking is that it has to be somebody you've dated before or, you know, that you brought it on in some way by something you did. That's totally false. It's just like, you know, any other crime. You didn't ask for it. It doesn't have to be somebody that you knew well or even an acquaintance. It can happen out of nowhere and you Mm -hmm. have to have to report it and get help. You have to follow your debt. As soon as you realize there's a problem, it's time to start reporting it. Mm-hmm. It's, there probably won't be arrest right, an arrest right away, unfortunately, but you have to start building that paper straw and reporting it to let the police do their job and really get the person arrested and get you the help that you need. Yes, good points. And I would say also that stalkers don't come in any size, shape, or form. So it can be male, female, any age really, and it could be somewhere or someone that you least expect. And I would also say that keeping a record of everything that seems suspicious to you or gives you that gut instinct that something's not right is critical in helping to you know, make sure that someone is caught and convicted if necessary. Exactly. Angela, thank you so much for sharing about Jody's voice and for sharing a bit of your story. I know that probably was not the easiest thing to do, but I think it's very helpful for people to really understand what the dilemma is here, what the emotions involved are, and how life-changing this whole situation can be for people. And certainly we want to prevent any possibility of death occurring or serious injury to anyone. I hope that others will contact jodysvoice.org and do what they can to help and to learn more about stalking and the things that are really happening out there. Yes, thank you for having me.